welcome to How Do You Drew? This is a Drew Barrymore podcast brought to you by thedrewzium.com. And sponsored by our friends at Positive Medium. I'm Anne. And I'm Ashley. And hello. Hi, welcome back. Welcome to you. Welcome to our listeners. <laughs> welcome back. That's our theme song, right? <laughs> Matt Costa, get on it. <laughs> yes. So let's hop right in. Um, we've got some follow-ups from the previous episode and just stuff we've talked about before. So yes, this is wild. I feel really bad. This was left out of our last episode, which was about Firestarter and Cat's Eye. But when I was pulling together the photos for the gallery, I realized we have this really odd photo from Cat's Eye. It's a deleted scene and it's of Drew as that character of James Wood's daughter, Mm -hmm. who I told you I've was like intellectually disabled yep that character and she's like being worked on by paramedics so there's obviously some scene where the quitters inc company like attacks her yeah yeah i mean sure sounds like it that was a threat for sure so weird so we'll share that sorry we left it out last week but pretty cool to know that there is more that she did that we don't ever get to see I mean, every time I think about deleted scenes, I'm just like, imagine all the stuff on the cutting room floor. True. Because like almost every movie we've done recently, there's been deleted scenes we've never seen. Yes, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) You know, there's ones we don't even know about. And that's why we'll be a fan of Drew for the rest of our lives. (laughs) And on our deathbed, we'll be finding about it a new deleted scene. (laughs) We love new old things. Yes, we do. (laughs) Speaking of. Yes. Well, I guess this isn't new, but it is old. Um, so we have frequently talked about Drew's many appearances on the Rosie O'Donnell show. For any of you who didn't see those, they were great. Like they had a chemistry together that was just really fun. Drew was always like so adorable on that show. And I don't think either of us have watched most of those in forever because they're on our VHS tapes. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember the last time I watched any of the Rosie stuff. It's like I've looked at pictures and played them over in my mind over the years. Right. It's definitely been like at least 10 years since I've seen them, right? Well, yeah. So Rosie's um, official YouTube has been slowly uploading a bunch of stuff from the show. I'm almost feels like maybe they're doing every episode. I haven't been paying that much attention, but they're up to the third one of Drew's. So that was in either late July or early August, 1998. And Mm -hmm. she was promoting Ever After. And this has a part that we have probably quoted at least three times on the show. I think we should play the clip. They perch. Birds like to perch. I love perching birds. Yep. And this fits right in with our Drew love segment. (laughs) Before we get into that, I just want to say... One thing I found was very interesting is Drew talks about on this appearance that she was starting a scholarship fund. Yeah, which I don't remember ever hearing about it again. So I wonder whatever happened with that. I know. Same. I was like, it wasn't even ringing a bell to me, which is crazy. Um, But yeah, she said she was going to do like preschool and college funds and sounded all inspired. Yeah. I wonder if it was like probably one of many things that she just did like anonymously, you know, maybe talked about it, but maybe didn't like make a public thing about having done it. I don't know. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I mean, I just wonder how many things, other things there are like that, you know, but, but that's so cool. Yeah. So anybody who wants to see this, we will put the link in our episode page. Like we said, there's also two other of her earlier appearances and I'm excited for the next ones to come because there's a really fun one when she did home fries where they sing a song about Thanksgiving. (laughs) Yes, Classic. And then there's another one for never been kissed where uh, she had her face in Play-Doh on the desk. (laughs) That sounds really weird. (laughs) Play-Doh made, somebody made a Drew's face out of Play-Doh and it was on the front of Rosie's desk. And we just saw that that desk was recently sold, which is so random. So random. This is probably not making any sense to anybody who doesn't remember it. I was just thinking how much stuff is like becoming images in my mind as you're saying it. So if somebody doesn't have it, it's like, they're probably like, I don't understand what, (laughs) what are you saying? We'll have to share the desk photo. (laughs) We might have like young enough people in our audiences that they're like, what is (laughs) Play-Doh? I hope that's not the case. I hope not. (laughs) Either way, this one, I had the pleasure of rewatching it after Ashley linked me to it. And I just was like... 
Yeah, this is oh, this is the girl I fell in love this with. Is really good, Drew. This is her. Yeah, yeah, she's so cute. Oh my gosh. So yeah. my first three, we're gonna move on to Drew Love. I love love. And the first three I took straight from this appearance because it was too fun. <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> so we have, of course, perching birdies mm-hmm. and then peanut butter. Mm-hmm. and coconuts and the water that comes from the middle. <laughs> <laughs> and then also recently, I believe this was on the Drew Barrymore show Instagram. They shared one of those fun, like in between filming where Drew's talking to the audience. Mm-hmm. And she shared that she also loves eating in bed and she loves <laughs> eating on her couch. <laughs> I don't like eating in my bed. No, hard no for me. Almost everywhere else. Yeah, couch I'm, I'm good with. Because that's relaxing. Bathroom, nah, unless I know. Probably not the bathroom either. <laughs> Bedroom, uh, bathroom, are those the only two places that are off limits for eating? Garage, probably wouldn't eat in there. <laughs> Depends. There are some nice garages out there. Okay, so now, kind of still in the same rosy realm, what do you have for our Druism of the week? I love Rosie realm. That's fun. Okay. So (laughs) this quote has lived in my head forever. I have always remembered this one. Drew's just trying to really explain how much she loves Rosie. And she gives us this great line. I just want to crawl in your suit and live there. Ah, classic weird Drew. I love it. Absolutely (laughs) classic. When I heard it again today, I was like, oh my God, I feel like that was something that I used to repeat in my mind more. And then for a while, it's kind of been gone. Other than unlike perching birdies. I love perching birdies. Like that's forever. But this, yeah, I just want to crawl inside your suit and live there is just makes me very happy to revisit that. Good stuff. (laughs) All right. Let's move on to some mail. Woohoo. You've got mail. Still catching up on the reviews. We are lovely, lovely people who have left reviews and we want to shout you out. So great. This one actually comes from somebody special. This is Faree, who is one of the co-hosts of the awesome podcast Makeover Montage, formerly known as Fish Netflix. They did a little rebranding. Oh, hello, Marie. Yeah, they are still fantastic, (laughs) hilarious. Go listen to their many, many Drew movie episodes about fashion and film, but all, all their episodes are great. So Marie left this review on Apple podcasts. All right. So the title of the review is the experts. Yeah. Starting off. Good. Thank you. Marie. <laughs> all right. Um, so then she says as a fellow forever drew fan, I've been a fan of the Drewsium forever and was so happy when they launched the pod. Anytime I need a drew cue answered, I know where to turn. Love you ladies. <laughs> a drew cue. I love that. Yeah, me too. Drew Q right after the Rosie realm. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Marie. And again, you guys go listen to Makeover Montage. It is good stuff. All right, let's get to your new favorite segment, the Kind Comments Corner. Yes, and I see that you pulled something this week. (laughs) I did. I came across it. I liked it. I pulled it. I'm sorry. I'm hijacking your segment again. (laughs) No, I have not been pulling things. I just kind of wanted it to be there for these instances because here we are again with somebody saying lovely things about Drew. I mean, yes, it happens often, but the internet is just a place of people with negativity sometimes. So here we go. A happy comment about Drew from at J-X-N-S-O-N-Y-C on the Drew Magazine Instagram. And they said, I don't think there's any other celebrity as humble and as real as Drew, like someone who really, really loves her fans and people in general. She has the most purest heart and never seems annoyed with anyone. Oh, that's so true. What a great observation. It's really a sweet one. She does love people in general. (laughs) (laughs) I like that too. (laughs) She could be like interested in literally anyone she meets. Yep. What did we pull for this week in Drew history? All right. I thought this was fun because it has a little connection to our last episode. So we're going to go back to July 19th, 1990. Okay. So we all have an image in our head when we think of uh, 1990 Drew, like very grunge, teen, blonde, wavy hair. You know what we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully you do. If not, (laughs) you'll have a reference now. Okay. So Drew attended the premiere of the movie, The Freshman. It starred Marlon Brando and Matthew Broderick. I tried to figure out why she would have a connection to this. I didn't come up with anything. So maybe she was just going out for the night. Not sure. (laughs) So she was wearing a red and white polka dot tank top that has cute like buttons in the front but then paired with this pair of jeans. So it's kind of like 
half sort of dressed up, half sort of dressed down. Uh, it looks like she's wearing um, Chuck Taylor as a converse. Oh, yeah. And smoking, of course, which is part of her brand at this time. <laughs> it is funny. I think we've mentioned before, like, premieres were just super relaxed and casual back then. People oh, did yeah. not get dressed up the red carpet style the way they no. do now. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, it's like it feels like there usually wasn't a red carpet. It was just kind of like people walking up to the door. And then yeah, at some point... Right. They decided to make it red carpet. It'd be interesting to go back and see like when in like Drew's stuff did the red carpet appear. Ooh, project. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Um, one more thing I wanted to say, which I don't know if you already mentioned, but she's also got like bright red lips on. Oh yeah. So cute with the red top. Like I think yeah. that's what makes it. And I, I actually forgot she was wearing jeans because so many of the images I feel like that were printed maybe focus more like torso up. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, so I forgot the rest of this look. This is a look I associate with you or things that you like because of the blonde blonde hair. Oh, interesting. Whenever we've split up stuff, like anything from this era, I'm like, well, you get this one. What cool thing do I get? <laughs> I love it. Um, Drew attended this with her friend, Hadria Lawner, who we've mentioned a couple of times, played the other vampire victim in Waxwork 2 with her. And then also, I think Jade was there. There is like someone in the background, just barely visible in some photos. And it looks like Jade to me. So. Oh, I bet that's right. Yeah. I mean, she's pretty distinct looking. <laughs> distinct is a nice way to put it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're fine. <laughs> okay. So then the connection to our previous episode where we talked about um, Firestarter and Cat's Eye, Martin Sheen popped up and there's a photo of them together. So it was kind of their little reunion. Uh, in this case, they are not enemies, thankfully. <laughs> We just can't help but having loved the go to hell from the previous episode. <laughs> I just love to imagine Drew just walked up to him, said that, and they had a laugh and she walked away. Oh my God, that's so wonderful. <laughs> All right. So now we're, we kind of know Drew's kind of taken a break. So right now she's just on vacation. Yeah. So that's what's new with Drew. Like none of our business, really. We know she enjoyed a fun vacation with some friends. Yep. I will say if you guys want new content besides what we're providing you with, which yeah. is obviously great, <laughs> go follow the Instagram account at Drew Magazine because they are sharing a lot of fun videos. They're, the most recent one I thought possibly was new, but it's hard to tell. Um, but yeah, they've got some good behind the scenes stuff that you should definitely be checking out. And yep. don't forget that you can also subscribe to the magazine now. We both signed up for that. So we yep. no longer have to go looking for it. <laughs> Although I'm still wary about the condition it's arriving in. But yeah, you know. I know. Yeah, most people probably don't care. I mean, you know, collectors are the only ones that care. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had someone visit me and they like picked up my copy that I just, oh. just purchased. And I'm like, it's also a collections person. So I'm like, I hope they like realize that's part of my collection. But it was a funny, like I had kind of a knee jerk in my mind. Like, yeah, oh, don't, don't touch that don't one. The paper. <laughs> but then I just like, I let it go. Like it was good for you. It was just a funny thing. <laughs> okay. So I guess we're ready to jump into this weekly topic. You picked something fun for this week. So what did you pick? Okay. So it's been minute since we've done a magazine article the last one we did was details from 1993 and it's one of our most popular episodes so I thought hey why don't we kind of keep going in that realm this is very much you know short time later there's mm -hmm. similar themes similar people involved so we're going to go to us magazine from May 1994 this is the first one we've done where Drew is not on the cover mm-hmm that belongs to Cindy Crawford. She's on the yep. cover of this one. So it's kind of interesting because this definitely was an era where she was in a lot of features and magazines. And most of the time she was not on the cover. Like she wasn't a cover star at this time, I would say. Yeah, not definitely not as much as she became later. And there oh, are yeah. some amazing features, this one included, that are in that sort of collecting totally. space. I mean, I can think back to trying to figure out like what some of these things were in in early collecting oh, yeah. days and like I can picture the Cindy Crawford cover so much me too I know when I went to look it up who it was I was like oh I totally have seen this a hundred times white background yep, yep. <laughs> yeah so it's it's strange how even those it's not just Drew's stuff that sticks with us like every right. once in a while other features from magazines will stick with me because I'm like oh that also has a cool thing on blah 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 or I'll look through it again and be like the fan of that person would love this, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing about archivist me. 
The hair and makeup were done by Eric Bernard, and the styling was done by Robertino Travati. That's fun to say. <laughs> yeah, and you pulled up a cute little tidbit about him. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mark Seliger, we'll explain why he's relevant. <laughs> he shared that this Robertino came into Mark's hotel room modeling the Alice in Wonderland outfit himself. <laughs> which we'll talk more about later, but yeah. I love that Me so too. much. Had to include that detail. That's dedication. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the reason I brought up Mark Seliger, our man, yeah. is because this is yet another one of his fabulous features, one of his portfolios that we love so, so, so dearly. Yes. This is their first. Let's shout that out because this is a big deal. Pretty cool. The first of so many. We're going to have to do an episode dedicated to him pretty soon. Totally. Um, and these were taken in 1993 in Los Angeles. And here's just a little um, quote to start us off. Mark describing this first experience with Drew and kind of all of his experience, I guess. Here we go. Yeah. My history with Drew is one of shared creativity, pushing limits, collaboration, and true exchanges. She is special to me for many reasons, not the least of which is that early in my career, she was one of the first Hollywood actresses I photographed. After talking to Drew, I conceived a series of ideas that complemented her sensual and strong persona, including Alice in Wonderland and The Boxer. It is incredibly rare for a subject to be liberated and trusting. From our first conversation, there were no rules, no concerns. It was a very ambitious shoot, and in one day, we did five different setups in 10 hours. Ooh, I feel like we had to include all this because it's so rare that you get this much information from the photographer. This isn't in the magazine. I have a really interesting, strange book called One to One, Mm -hmm. and it has a whole segment that's just about Drew and Mark's collaborations. So unfortunately, I forgot to look at this book when we did our other episodes. So there was some cool stuff. I was like, shoot, I wish we'd mentioned this, but that's why we'll do a whole episode on Mark sometime soon. Absolutely. All right. So let's get into those five setups that Mark mentioned. Okay. So the first photo we get in this magazine is in the table of contents mm-hmm. and it is drew in what I know is a Vivian Westwood top. And the reason we know this is because let's make it full circle back to our friends at makeover montage. <laughs> they share that information. I guess the same top, not literally the same exact one, but the same model, whatever, um, was worn by Elizabeth Shue in the movie Leaving Las Vegas, which is a fun little tidbit. Totally fun. I got to say about that top really quick. It always looked really scratchy, like steel wool to me. It does look like steel wool. (laughs) But I think especially in the black and white, like it's so sharp looking, like the image is so crisp, but it like really looks rough. Anyway. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So she's leaning out the window of a, maybe like a truck and Mm -hmm. holding a little daisy or flower in her fingers, which is so cute. And I always loved that she was holding the flower, but in my mind, I remembered it being a cigarette. She's holding it like she would hold a cigarette in (laughs) a lot of ways. So I bet I thought the same thing. (laughs) There's been a lot of outtakes from this little setup. Um, Some of them, she's sitting in like a fancy chair and has a little crown on her head. Yep. I remember at one point I thought the crown was photoshopped in. I don't know why, but I don't think it is. (laughs) Well, here's the funny thing that I think we talked about it. And I think we were like comparing a bunch of uh, like various qualities of outtakes that we had and we still couldn't really tell. Well, it is wild. So we are so lucky with this photo shoot with the outtakes. There are tons of outtakes from this. In fact, most of my favorites are the ones that are not printed in the magazine in us. But yeah, this is good, good, good stuff. We will share a lot of these with you guys. Yes, we will. I was going to say one more thing about outtakes. I can never quite tell if the reason it's cool is because it's unfamiliar or if it (laughs) actually is cooler. Good point. Good point. Yeah. The next actually two images that we see in the magazine are two photos from what is referred to as kind of the boxer or the boxing shoot, which was shot at the Azteca Boxing Club in Los Angeles. Um, The first image is of Drew with Mark. I love this picture. I know. It's really cool. I don't know if I already said it, but we believe that was in the contributors page of the magazine. And then the first full page picture that appears is the main portrait that I think a lot of people are familiar with, I imagine they are of Drew as the boxer. Yeah. And it's, it's really beautiful. The The really cool thing about this is that Mark talked kind of specifically about having this revealed to him in the dark rooms. I'm going to read this quote. Yeah, good stuff. So Mark said, 
As I looked at the photo of Drew as a boxer in the dark room, I thought, this is my girl. I had never taken a picture like this before. It was one of those images that, as it revealed itself in the printing process, surpassed my initial idea. This was a defining moment for me. So cool. Um, And then Drew kind of expressed a similar sentiment about their work together and mentioned this shoot. So she said, the first shoot Mark and I did, the boxer shoot, established our trust in each other. After that day, the walls between us came crashing down. He knew I would not stop him, and I knew he would not stop me either. So cool. They just have a real special working relationship. And I feel like when I first saw this, I was like, why Drew is a boxer? I think I thought it was kind of like lame when I was a teenager for some reason. Like yeah. couldn't appreciate the art of it. To be honest, it's not like one of my favorites. I have a, like a weird kind of like skip over it feeling when I see those photos. I don't know. But the context, I'm just going to jump back for just a second where um, Mark says he thought of ideas that complemented her central and strong persona. Yeah, That comes through. That absolutely comes through. And when we think of other shoots that he's done with her, similar vibe. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And as we mentioned before, many, many outtakes of this as well. In this case, I think there are a few that I definitely like better than this main one. But if I were to just like crop out even just her face in the one that's in this magazine, it's incredible. The sharpness of it. Like it's a beautiful portrait. He's a well-trained portrait photographer. He's a good photographer, you think? (laughs) <laughs> oh, so, I think sort of, right. we might, we might be like, you know, revealing him to the public right now. So we'll have to see how the public feels. <laughs> Good call. All right. Let's move on to the next setup, which is one of my personal favorites. Yes. The Alice in Wonderland as previously mentioned. So Mark described this as Drew's own interpretation of an irreverent, precocious modern day Alice. So we get Drew in a fantastic Alice in Wonderland costume, giant heels, which I always thought was fun. And she is smoking. So she's blowing smoke rings in the main one that was published, which is one of her little skills. Yep. And all the photos in the magazine are black and white, which is another thing that I'm kind of like, oh, some of these are so awesome in color. Like, I think I wonder if it was just like a a money reason to print them in black and white or what. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I feel like it felt conscious, but because there are there's color in like the first page of the magazine where the title is, it's like half red. That's true. So Good I point. think it was an aesthetic choice. Okay. But I know the color ones, especially, yeah, especially in this, this case. one. Yeah, because she's got she's wearing blue and the playing cards behind her are red. Like, it's just really fun. I love these pictures so much. Yes. And there are some kind of somber looking ones that are black and white of outtakes that we've seen. One particular one where she's sitting kind of more in the um, in like a cup. It's a like teacup. as if she's, it's, yeah, she's sitting in a big teacup. I really love that one. And I'm like, oh, yeah, th- but it has a completely different vibe. Like true, very different. Um, This is a case actually where the one that I'm most familiar with, I still look at it and go like, I'm not bored of that. <laughs> nope. It is awesome. And I, I don't want to say I'm bored of the boxer one, but there is part of me that just, like you said, like flips past it. Yeah. And I feel like the Alice one that's in the magazine, like I'll stop and look at that. Good way of putting it admire the smoke ring formation like (laughs) anyway good stuff moving on um so now there's one where she's wearing this like flowery um dress I love these ones for some reason they feel just like her yeah the one that's in the magazine is um smaller on one of the article pages and it's of Drew with her friends Justine and Kim um Kim who we'll talk about a little bit later was her assistant at the time and Justine will also come up later as well and the outtake that some people are familiar with, I would say I was kind of, I think of this before I even think of this picture in in this shoot. There was an outtake printed in Us Magazine exactly a year later in 1995 in May, um, where Drew is walking a pig wearing the same dress. (laughs) And there are some outtakes I really, really love from this. And I just had to note just quickly about the outtakes that she's wearing these like airwalks like shoes and don't you think that looks like the type of shoes that there was that (laughs) ad that everyone thought was drew like yes there was this ad that was like put on fan sites it was spread around that this is drew i can find it i'm sure i'm sure if you googled drew barrymore airwalk ad it would come up probably still come up that's a good point 
Yeah, it's funny. Like it's clearly not Drew, but I believe that this was styled to be inspired by Drew. Like for it sure. definitely has her vibes, but it's yes. not her. <laughs> I just I just love that like I'm pretty sure she's wearing airwalks here. And I just like can't help but think of that era, <laughs> the skate shoe era. You oh, know? I love it. Yeah. But like skate shoes and dresses is such oh. a funny, like so specifically 90s thing. So cute. <laughs> yes. All right. Our last setup is Drew wearing a giant hoop skirt with a corset and like thigh highs, basically. So the one that is printed in the magazine is really tiny. It's in, just in the middle of a page and she's just kind of like got her arms up and kind of like going like, I don't know. <laughs> don't you feel like in black and white and with this lighting, it looks like way spookier than the ones that are in color and outside. Yeah, definitely. Cause so there's lots of outtakes that were printed in foreign magazines again with this and the ones outside, she's like just in front of some leaves and she's being cute. But yeah, you're right. The one in the magazine is definitely a little like spooky. <laughs> and actually I just kind of, I just realized she, her, the way her head is tilted almost looks like uh, Casey Becker hanging from the tree. Oh damn. You're right. <laughs> That's why it says spooky. I know you love when I want to make comparisons, but <laughs> this oh, you be. want a side by side of this one? You know it. I think I could do it. <laughs> All right. So, should we get into the article? Yeah, I think we're done. Uh, we could go on and on about these photos, but just go to the episode page, check them out, you guys. It's good stuff. It's really good stuff. Definitely worth looking at. We'll show, I think, at least one outtake from each of the images. So Sounds definitely good. we're checking it out for that because we've got our archive. Yeah. And I think I've said the phrase good stuff like eight times this episode. So yes. sorry well, if I'm annoying anybody with that. <laughs> I hope you're ready with the good stuff that is the article. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So the article was written by Trish Deach Rower. I'm sorry if I'm saying that name wrong, um, who also did the feature in In Style from March 1999. I probably said the name completely different when we did that episode. Um, that was episode 29 because we love that issue of InStyle. And this one is really interesting. So let's jump right in. Ashley, you want to start us off? Okay. So the article starts, Drew and her friends are in the corner booth of a dining room at the Four Seasons Hotel. Mm-hmm. Drew is smoking, of course, drinking iced tea. Yes, <laughs> I love her that. love of iced tea goes way back. And sharing the hotel phone with her friends, which is hilarious because this is pre-cell phones, you guys. <laughs> Trish says they're all in various stages of serious teenage afternoon collapse. There are elbows everywhere, notepads, books, bags, half-eaten food, and cigarette butts. <laughs> her friends who she's there with are Mel, who we have mentioned before. This is Melissa Bochco. Mm-hmm. Trish describes her as dark haired rock and roller and Mel has her head on the table. She's tired. <laughs> we also have Justine. This is Justine Baddeley and she has a phone number written largely on her arm, which is very Drew like. So I thought that was fun. I love that. <laughs> and then Kim, which is Kim Greitzer, who was her assistant at the time. And they're all wearing schlumpy trousers and have butchered hair, which is just <laughs> so fun. It's really fun. But again, if you haven't listened to our details 1993 episode yet, these same friends come along for the article in that one. So it's really fun to just like see this as a continuation of that era. Totally. Good point. I also love this description because it feels very like Drew and I love like Drew times a couple when you imagine multiple people. <laughs> so Trish says they attacked with friendliness and she describes it being like, hi, hi, hi. <laughs> and then um, they were even excited to hear that Trish smokes. Of course. I loved this little tidbit. So I just pulled out the quote. Okay. When I pull out a pack of cigarettes, for instance, Barrymore does a little jump of glee in her chair and says <laughs> she smokes as if she were a five-year-old and I were a new doll that she discovered could pee. She pees. <laughs> All the girls are delighted and those who smoke spark up, as Barrymore would say. And again, we're not condoning smoking. I don't like it at all, but this is fun. And this is very true. <laughs> it's very part of her story. Yeah. Especially at this time. We can't tell her story without marble reds. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked this line, which is describing kind of the scene. So Trish is like, she has her friends there. And then she says, celebrities don't show up with their friends, but Barrymore plays by her own rules. Maybe this is because she's 19. Maybe it's because she's a Barrymore. <laughs> 
She's 19. Yeah. I mean, it is crazy. <laughs> she, they do get described as teenagers quite a lot, which I believe Justine's quite a bit older. I don't think she was a teenager, but, uh, yeah, it's like, oh yeah. Teenagers. Like what? I also, <laughs> I also wonder how old Trish was at the time. Oh, good point. Yeah. Like to describe them that way. She must've been a little bit older. Yeah. Um, okay. So Drew starts entertaining the group with stories about her dad and a man. I don't feel like we have done a single article that doesn't talk about her dad quite a bit. Of course, she's talking about how he doesn't wear shoes. We all probably know that. Yeah. Mel says he wears dress socks for nice occasions and everybody cracks up. Mel has like <laughs> a really like dry sense of humor and she just, I don't know, everything about her in this cracks me up. And Mel is talking about one of the times they went to Joshua Tree and they had to only wear socks while they were there because of the <laughs> dad, I guess. And Drew says that he says that wearing shoes was a sign of unintelligence. <laughs> so there's this really great description of Drew by Trish. So Drew has her bobbed, bleached blonde hair off her face, her full lips lined perfectly with a brownish pencil. Barrymore may be a teenager, but she has the poise and grace of someone who's been through the ringer and come out the other side, not just stronger, but strong. Still, you can feel the ghost of old pain and sadness shadowing her, reminding her when she needs reminding, and sometimes when she doesn't, of how good life is now. Very astute. <laughs> that last part, yeah, the ghost of old pain and sadness yeah. is like, yep, that's like part of Drew's story. Good Absolutely. Stuff. Um, and then it, then she goes on to say that behind the Valley Girl speak is an authenticity and honesty and a centeredness and a gentleness that's rare, even in the most authentic and honest and centered adults. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. I really like Trisha's writing style in this um, article. Me too. That's why I pulled so many quotes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to. So then Drew continues and she describes her dad as sick, but brilliant. And one of the things she says is he looks like a street person. So people are scared by his appearance and probably scared of what he has to say too, because he's so brutal and honest. I love hearing him talk after a while. You're like, dad, you're a little out there, but I respect your views. And I thought this was interesting because in details, she's definitely like the year previous, she's definitely kind of like fed up with his talking at that time it felt like yeah. like there's a whole part where she's like pissed about how much she just blabbers on about things but maybe she'd made a little piece with it a year later <laughs> yeah I'm sure she changed her mind about how she felt about it all the time depending on the topic oh good point good point she's had very interesting relationships with her parents we will never stop talking about that <laughs> So Tamara Davis comes in and talks about when Drew lived with her, which we talked about before. And yeah. I don't remember, was it in details? I think we've talked about it lots of times. Well, actually the New York Magazine, the recent one even talked about that. Oh, that's right. And I felt like, I almost felt like I'd completely forgotten that. So I was like, was there something new? So that, that makes sense. So okay. Drew lived with Tamara Davis and Mike D from the Beastie Boys and it was because Drew was having trouble with a live-in boyfriend, which we kind of wanted to speculate a little bit that maybe it was Jamie. Yeah, we think it was Jamie Walters. It, the timing is a little off from what I thought. I thought that Drew lived with her during gun crazy filming, but it, it could have been after. That would still make sense. Yeah. So the reason why she decided to have her move in was because she thought it would be good for Drew to see a healthy relationship and described her and her husband as being very in love. And here's a description of, you know, Drew in her home. I love this part. <laughs> Me too. It's so good. So Tamara said on the weekends, she'd sleep really late. Nothing could wake her up. And we'd peek in and see her tucked in with all her white pillows and white comforter. She looked so sweet. There's something about her. You just want to take care of her. And if she disappeared for a weekend, my husband got really worried. Then she'd show up on a Sunday evening and be all excited to show us a new tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> I feel like that line that you just want to take care of her. Yeah. That comes up a lot. Yeah. It's, I almost feel like I can hear like Tamara saying it. Like maybe she says it like in an interview or something too. She might. Yeah. But yeah, I love this quote. There's so much about it. Like they literally were like seeing her as their child almost. I know. Like, it's so sweet. Kind of interesting. We've never like seen anything of Drew, like going to a Beastie Boys show. And it feels like, yeah. She like lived with one of them. So there's like no connection anywhere that I've ever seen. Because she's just 100% backstage. <laughs> she's maybe, not in the crowd. I mean, who knows? But yeah, you're right. Maybe she hates the Beastie Boys. 
That's our new <laughs> no, take. No, 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 because <laughs> I'm just uh, kidding. Paul Revere is her go-to karaoke song. So there's a connection. Oh, there we go. <laughs> That's how she connects. <laughs> All right. So Drew shares a story with the group about how when she was younger, her dad had had a key to where Drew and Jade lived Mm -hmm. and they would like come home and find their stuff missing or trashed or replaced or whatever. (laughs) And finally, one night Drew's maternal grandfather. So Jade's dad was visiting and he went out drinking with John and returned with the key. And it was like this really big deal. It's funny because when I was reading this, I was like, this is really familiar and not just from this article. And so I went and checked and in Wildflower, this story is in there almost verbatim, which is really cool that Drew still remembers it like exactly the same way. So it's in the chapter that's called The Royal Hawaiian, which is about that grandfather. Okay. You pulled a quote and this is exactly what's in Wildflower. And this may be in Little Girl Lost too. I didn't get a chance to check, but- The quote from this magazine article is, I remember them screeching out of the driveway and my grandfather's head flying back. But as it flew back, he was laughing. So it was like, okay, cool. He comes back four hours later, totally drunk, and he's got the key. (laughs) So he like sacrificed himself to do this for them. (laughs) So good. I had blanked on the fact, I mean, even though I've read this, I've read Wildflower. I just forgot that they had a relationship with Jade's side of the family at all. Yeah, I would love to delve into that a little bit more eventually because it sounds like she really loved this grandfather. And, you know, it's like the only one she had that was living still. So, yep. I'm glad to hear that she had like something. I just totally like blanked. some sort of paternal relationship with somebody yeah. that wasn't Steven Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And every person who played a father or anything <laughs> on every movie set. Okay. So enough about Drew's daddy issues. We're jumping into quick facts or as I want to call it tidbits galore. Are we ready for a tidbits galore? <laughs> yes. Tidbits galore. <laughs> okay. So this whole paragraph was like just tidbits. So here we go. She carries with her $2.50 for cigarettes, which is so cheap, by the <laughs> yeah, way. How much are cigarettes now? Like $20? Like ten, no, like $10 a pack. <laughs> Crazy. Like, seriously. <laughs> well, how much could a banana cost? <laughs> $10. <laughs> um, anyway, so then she said she also carries her credit cards and her keys. She says she's allergic to garlic, mm-hmm. which you re- you remembered that maybe that was a lie. And I, I feel, feel like, like she even says she likes it now. Yeah. I feel like at some point she copped to the fact that she used to say that because she hated it and didn't want it on things. So she would say she was allergic. Yeah. <laughs> I have like, eventually I will come across the source for that again. But right now I don't remember where I read it, but I'm sure that was said. <laughs> yep. She also says she was allergic to coffee, perfume, and bee stings. And you had a little note here that you remembered it from an old Missy fan site. Yeah. Did she have like a little tidbit section that it mentioned this? I think so. I just definitely remember like learning these little things way before I would have had this magazine on yep. uh, one of Missy's fan sites. So that's, that's just so fun. Cool. <laughs> also, she says that she was conceived on a dark rainy night beautifully. <laughs> and her quote in that part was, I can dig it. <laughs> By the way, I can too. Um, she believes in God and fate. I feel like her spirituality has never really been delved into. Yeah. So like, I, I feel like her even saying God is like, oh, interesting. This is like, yeah, the time she was like wearing crosses sometimes. True. And she does like, if you guys want to listen to our breakdown of the Jane 1997 article, mm-hmm. I feel like this is addressed a lot in there. Yeah, you're right. I think it is. Um, she said she does not believe in luck and wishes and she collects old lunch boxes. Yeah, it's funny. I definitely remember her at some point saying she wishes on everything, but I think what her, she meant here was more like, you got to make your own shit happen. Like, you yeah, can't just kind of like ever after, like, you don't want to sit around and wait to be rescued, go out and rescue other people. I think that's sort of where that comes from. Yeah, I could see how she would just be like, yeah, I do like them, but don't rely on them. Yes, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so as all articles do, we get into talking about, you know, like her acting debut in the Puppy Chow commercial and the Barrymore family. Mm -hmm. This is really cool. She talks about John Barrymore, her grandfather's prince in the cement outside the Chinese theater and all of her family stars, which uh, we just talked about all of that in our episode 41. If you want to hear about that, all the walk of fame stuff. Yep. I love that she even mentioned Dolores Costello, her grandmother, because I feel like a lot of times people forget that because her last name wasn't Barrymore, but yeah, she was a big deal too. 
Yep. Uh, and then Drew says she really found out about her family sort of for the first time when that Barrymore commemorative stamp was released when Drew was seven. And I love that you pointed out that was in June, 1982, the same month that E.T. was released, which is really cool. <laughs> and the director, George Kukor, was telling her all about her grandfather. So I think that's where she finally started to get like, oh, my family was something. <laughs> and then we're kind of jumping back into the Four Seasons Hangout. Pizza arrives and guess what? There's garlic on it. <laughs> oh, but she's allergic. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, this scene is kind of interesting because I was like wondering like what's going to happen. So then Drew like freaks out for a second, just kind of privately. She's just like, shit, shit, shit. <laughs> Kim, this is when they kind of reveal that Kim is the assistant too. Cause they weren't really saying before. Yeah. She didn't get a shout out earlier. <laughs> yeah. And then they said, Kim gets the waiter. And then Drew is the one who like does the asking and she very politely asks for a new pizza and says, we'll keep this one. How about we just get another one that has no garlic? And I love that Trish points out that all of the like women at the table, these like young girls don't roll their eyes. They don't talk crap about it. They're just like, unlike any other teenagers in the world, they're just like on with their day after that little bump in the road. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. It is like very, like an interesting little anecdote to include. It says something about them, you know? Definitely. Then the article moves on to talking about Bad Girls, which is the movie that she was promoting at this time. So it mentions briefly that Tamara Davis had been fired from directing the movie. If you guys don't know that story, we will eventually, whenever we get really low on our pickings, do Bad Girls. (laughs) Not one of my favorites. It's my favorite that Drew has ever looked. I'll say that. But the movie itself, eh. (laughs) There is a whole little inset in the article about the filming of that movie. It doesn't really talk about Drew that much. So we're not going to include that right now, but we'll, we'll save that info for another time. Yeah. So the new director that was brought on was Jonathan Kaplan. And he learned that Drew was the best at stunts when they were doing the cowboy camp. So he decided she was going to be the trick writer of the group. So cool. I know. Go Drew. The stunt people thought that this one specific stunt with horses was going to be too dangerous, but Drew was courageous and did it anyway several times because that's what she does. (laughs) And then this is cool. The director said that Drew reminded him of Jodie Foster and he attributed that to them both being around adults a lot when they were kids. So I love this quote. He says, she's very real. There's none of this phony baloney business. She sees herself like the guys who do the lights. She sees herself as just another worker on a film. And I feel like this is still so her. Like if you even just look at her show, like she's like, it's not my show. It's our show. Like we're all just working on it together. Like (laughs) it's just great that she hasn't changed at all. Absolutely. And I'll tell you something funny about when I was reading this in the article, when I saw the word lights, I thought they were going to say she lights up the room. Like I was like waiting for that comment. And then I was like, oh, like this is just as good because she's basically like she's lifting everyone else up to the level of like, we're all just doing a job. Yeah. Going to a new day. Um, They describe it as a Hollywood Boulevard restaurant next to John Starr. So as in her father's or John Barrymore, John John Barrymore. Barrymore. Not her father, John Barrymore, the other John Barrymore. <laughs> her, grand, her grandfather, John Starr. And you made the comment that it must be Musso and Frank, which she did a lot of interviews there. I forget which other specific ones. But it's literally his star is right in front of it. Like, So it might be Musso and Frank, which is really cool. I've been there and it's fun. It's a fun place to go. Um, so anyway, Mel's here again. This time she's actually sleeping on the bar. <laughs> I love that. So great. I'm just imagining like they've been up all night, you know, or like, I don't know what it is. Or she's just like, what else am I going to do? Tired person. I feel like, so she's the one that went with Drew on the cruise in late 1994 when Drew jumped off the boat. And what's the part with Mel? I feel like in Wildflower, there is something about her being tired all the time. I don't know. I'll have to go back and look. (laughs) Okay. So um, this is cute. I mean, every time Trish describes Drew. It's just lovely in this. So here's another one. Um, She said she's got two barrettes, three plastic daisies in each, about an inch away from her center part on both sides. She's wearing light blue bell bottoms, an embroidered Indian shirt, and no bra. All of Barrymore's clothes appear to have been stolen from the hampers and floors of another generation. (laughs) I loved that. And I don't know if it's just me, but I am like, Oh, boys on the side. This is exactly what she looks like in boys on the side, which she was about to film. So it makes sense. 
that's a good point. And she does talk about that a little bit later too. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, She also mentions that she's wearing two friendship rings, one from Mel and one from Justine, which is so cool. Adorable. Once again, we're going to talk about Drew's family. So Drew's (laughs) talking about her grandfather, probably because his star's outside, and how he was a hero to her, even though he led a crazy, notorious life. And Drew said... Quote, there was another side to him that was genius, incredibly intelligent and talented beyond belief and handsome and fun and beautiful and people loved him and he was great to be around and exciting. So this role model thing is confusing to me. There's good and bad to everyone, you know? (laughs) I love that line. Yeah. So Trish notes that there's sort of this theme that continues to come up of Drew wrestling with acceptance of everyone's imperfections and inconsistencies, especially her own. Hmm. And here's a quote from that section, which is really lovely. And it encapsulates a lot of the things we're learning about, like Drew's self-esteem. She said, I know I'm not perfect. I'm far from it, but I try really hard. And most of my life, I felt really guilty. I always beat myself up. Am I a good person? Did I do anything bad today? Did I hurt anyone? Did I hurt myself today? I'd ask myself all these crazy questions at night that would make me almost not be able to sleep on a nightly basis. I'm very, very hard on myself. And I know that that's what keeps me disciplined. (sighs) It's just like, no matter how many times we hear it, which it's turning out to be a lot. (laughs) Yeah. It's so hard to hear that she like is this hard on herself. I relate. I know. I know. I immediately thought you would relate to that. And this is 30 years ago, right? And Mm -hmm. she's still kind of going through this I don't think that's something that people get over I think it's something you like you have to learn self-love over and over again and I think this is something we've talked about too yeah we definitely have and um I know that when Trish profiled Drew for in style in 1999 similar themes were being talked about where Drew's like really trying to be kinder to herself yep that's true. I mean, it's it's an ongoing theme in Drew's life, but I love yeah. that she talks about it. I mean, we've talked about that too, like being real about that, that somebody that everyone loves doesn't necessarily love themselves. You know, it's like sad thing, but true. <sighs> okay. Sad, but Drew. Sad, but Drew. I'm changing the name of our podcast to Sad, but Drew. <laughs> it's a big crowd pleaser. Everybody yeah. come and join. <laughs> yeah. Sad, but Drew. How are you, Drewbies? We want to tell you about our sponsor, Positive Medium. We've actually been clients of theirs for at least 10 years, and they take care of all of our website needs for thedrewzam.com. They offer custom web design and professional coding, search engine optimization, marketing, and hosting. So we've been hosted by them, but we've also been able to take advantage of a lot of their expertise in these other areas as well. Absolutely. So customer service is the biggest draw for us with this company. They have saved our site literally from obliteration (laughs) quite a few times, but then they also help us with minor issues in just like literally a matter of minutes. So if we have like a coding question or just like something on the back end we can't figure out, we reach out to them and we get an answer back and the issue is solved within moments. We're so excited that Positive Medium is allowing us to offer our listeners 25% off managed WordPress hosting plans using our promo code DREW, D-R-E-W, of course. Um, And if you want to take advantage of this, visit positivemedium.com. We really, really vouch for these people. They've been so great to us and will continue to be great to us, I I can only imagine. (laughs) I mean, they're great by offering this to our listeners. So take advantage. Again, it's promo code DREW, of course. Drew talks about kind of in her childhood, the type of schools she went to. She said there were like 20 kids, rainbows over the basketball hoops. And the only rule was you had to smoke pot in your car, not in the classroom. (laughs) It's not funny, but it's funny. (laughs) I think it's the school that was called Cal Prep. I think it was one of the last ones she went to. And I know like it was just, you know, very like not a lot of oversight. Yeah. Just kind (laughs) of do your own thing, kids. Yep. (laughs) Like post hippie kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah. She mentions dropping out of school at age 14 um, and then kind of goes on to talk about her self-taughtness, which I love. Yeah. So she says, everything I've learned has been self-taught. 
things I've learned through living. I like continuing to teach myself. I'm the biggest bookworm. And then she says that she likes to read with a dictionary close by. And whenever she gets writer's block, she just starts listing what she calls plain words and says, any word that comes into your mind, no matter how relevant or irrelevant it seems to be. Oof! Can you imagine like seeing one of those lists, how fun that would be? Oh my God. Oh my God. I would love that. Just give us one. Just one. <laughs> one page. Just, no, one. <laughs> just one, please. That sounds really weird, but we are collectors and we are historians <laughs> and archivists. So give us it's a break. Important. We're not stalkers. <laughs> Um, And then she says that reading and writing before bed gives her peace, which all of us, I just love imagining so much. And all of this is still so true to who she is and what she does. I just, man, you just talk about a person who's got so much consistency, but like so much range in her life, like so many phases, but yet there's these things that these commonalities that just stay threaded through everything. Absolutely. So fun to chart her life. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Okay. So once again, of course, she's drinking iced tea. There's another consistency right there. (laughs) Um, And she accidentally spills her glass all over the bar. And this is an interesting part. So Trish says that Drew gets totally flustered and her hands go up to her cheeks. And she says, it's like um, Mook's painting the scream. So of course I had to (laughs) include that little detail because that's so fun. A couple of years later ghost face looking scream. <laughs> yep. I do love that. Um, I love the, the next part of this section. So Trish says there's a whole new level of vulnerability that reveals itself. And once exposed, it never quite goes away. If Barrymore seems as poised as a 40 year old before, in addition, she now seems as sensitive as a child who could still use a comforting hug from mama. Her face reflects this. One minute she looks all grown up, the sexy starlet you see in her guest ads, and the next minute there's the soft face of someone still growing into womanhood. Awesome. Again, still kind of feels true. Drew is this like dichotomy of super capable, professional, way like smarter than her years, and then still Mm -hmm. like a vulnerable little girl in the next second. So yep, totally. It it feels exactly her. Yep. (laughs) Uh, so then we get into just a little bit of discussion about the filming of bad girls and really how Drew says it totally changed her life. And there's even more that she doesn't say here, but anyway, one thing at a time. So <laughs> apparently the last five months of 1993, I don't know if that's an exaggeration or not. I know this was kind of a shoot from hell. So maybe it was five months. Um, it was done in the small little town called Brackettville in Texas, where there was like nothing, no conveniences, nothing. And Drew said, I had to include this whole quote. My whole life, even if I lived on my own, I lived with a roommate or a boyfriend. This was five months where I was completely on my own. For the first couple of weeks, I cried. I was like, fuck, I miss my friends so much. They were millions of miles away. And I just sort of sat on the couch and watched television all day. And after three weeks, I realized that that wasn't going to work. I had to get into the swing of things. And I got to know who I was as a person, things that were revealed to me about myself that I wasn't too keen on. I really felt like they had to be put in the front line as things to change about myself. And I did. I overcame the things that I had to overcome. It got to be okay to be on my own. Very cool. And don't you feel like this feels like when she talks about getting her own place after will like kind of mm. learning to be alone again. It's a different vibe. Yeah. But it's just that, like, I mean, I relate to it a lot. I did just move into a place by myself this year for the first time. Yeah. I was wondering if you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it is strange. Like if you've been around people, even if it is in like a passive capacity, like roommates, it's different to like be totally alone. Yeah. It forces you to find yourself is what happens. And this is what happened to her. Well, it's good because we like who she found. <laughs> um, I also wanted to say it, the article doesn't touch on it, but another reason that Bad Girls was so formative to Drew is because she saw this like crazy production where there was just everything was going real bad. We'll get into it in another episode, like I said. But yeah. she observed the producer, Linda Opst, I believe was her name, um, and how she kind of took care of things. And that was what planted the seeds for flower films. Like Drew was like, okay, I can do that. I want to do that. So it's just cool. It wasn't mentioned, but I felt like it should be part of the, why that movie changed your life. (laughs) I mean, that makes a lot of sense too. Like literally if part of finding her is realizing she can take control. Mm, Yeah. Ooh, so cool to think about. See, this is why you guys come here. We give you all the good stuff. (laughs) We put together the puzzle pieces, you know, like you bringing that up just made me like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The timing and everything. Yep. So then she (laughs) tried to resolve 
her previously like bah humbug feelings about Christmas and cooked her friend, cooked for, cooked with her <laughs> friends, cooked her friends. Mel, you've been a real bitch. I'm putting you in the oven. I'm cooking you. You're always <laughs> sleeping anyway. Half, you're halfway there. Uh, she cooked with her friends and made the guys, quote unquote, take Polaroids of them. First of all, imagine seeing those Polaroids. Oh, please. Justine, <laughs> Holy shit. I know you sometimes follow some of the things we post online. Can you do that for us? <laughs> um, and then Trish, of course, asks who the guys are. And Drew, this little description is really cute. So she says, <laughs> boys, in her weariest voice. And it's clear she doesn't intend to elaborate too much. And then she says, I don't understand love. I travel too much to sustain a relationship. And anyway, I want to be on my own for a while. <laughs> we should mention at this point, I think that this came out probably after she got married to Jeremy Thomas. Uh, the article was written before, but I yep. think the magazine would have come out after. So yep. it's very just kind weird. of painting the picture of the timing of this. So the reason I bring that up is because at this point, Trish kind of goes back in time to that previous day where they had been at the four seasons and brings mm-hmm. up this very weird exchange where suddenly in the middle of the conversation, Mel claimed I'm getting married next week. And all the girls were really annoyed with her. And Drew even says, Mel, you've got to shut up, <laughs> which I thought felt very unlike Drew. Yeah. And then someone else says, I wouldn't say anything further than that. And then Trish was like shut out of the conversation when she tried to get them to elaborate. Yes. So, so if we imagine the timing is like literally. Yeah. So my feeling is like, maybe Drew was already talking about how she was going to marry Jeremy Thomas for his green card situation. And Mel is kind of like screwing around with her a little bit here. And they're like, shut up. Like, don't talk about that. Like, but also like that. She said, I want to be on my own for a while. Yeah, I know. It's very interesting. And I think Trish put it in there because she knew something was weird about it. Like, otherwise, why would she even mention it? You know, that's a good point. (laughs) But I'm glad that you thought about the timing. I was like, no, I was like, why is she making that joke? Like, once again, guys, put in the puzzle pieces together for you. (laughs) We work together sometimes. I have half a brain. Ashley has. (laughs) Maybe three quarters. <laughs> Thanks, Ren. <laughs> I didn't want to say you only had half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. More about her friends. So Trish goes on about how hard it must be to be Drew's friend and to um, not feel jealous of her, quote, endless talent for endearing herself to people. Mm. And then Justine tells this story about <laughs> Drew and a bee sting. It says, it would only happen to Drew. Everyone else would be fucked. She rear ends some guy because a bee's in her car. She rear ends the guy. That would be me. And he'd sue me from here until there with her. It's okay. I mean, I could see that. Can you imagine this guy? Like 19 year old Drew gets out. I'm sorry. There was a bee in my car. He'd just be like, okay, no problem. Okay. I hope you're okay. You're pretty. (laughs) This I thought was funny. So Mel described like, it just briefly describes Drew and says she is the Grinch, but we just like saw that part about her like being bah humbug about Christmas. But I thought right. that was funny because it almost seems like one of the only like quote unquote mean things that anyone's ever said about Drew, and it's her friend Mel. Well, <laughs> Mel is just funny that way, and yeah, you know, she is. I'll just mention it here. I have it further down, but I'll mention it now. Um, very recently, like in the last two weeks, the Drew Barrymore show once again uploaded like sort of that in-between banter of Drew and Ross. And Drew is telling Ross a very recent story about how Mel had just been visiting. And she's the type of friend who just steals stuff from you if she likes (laughs) it. Like she likes a candle and she'll take it. And that she was trying to take Drew's cat. She was like, I I really like this cat. I'm going to take her. (laughs) I'm like, classic Mel, as if I know her. But it's just from like articles like this. I'm like, yeah, that's how it feels. (laughs) And I just love it so much. And I do want to mention real quick, if I didn't previously in another episode, I probably did. But when Jolena and I got to go see the filming of the Drew Barrymore show in uh, late 2021 in L.A., they were doing a best friends episode and Mel was there and Drew brought her on stage like in between filming. And it was just really cool to be like, oh, my God, like so cool. And she's her oldest friend. They've been friends for 40 years. So cool. Wow. I don't think I even remembered the thing about when you were there, she came up. Yeah. I saw her like on the sidelines. I was like, I swear that's Mel. Oh my God. And then Drew eventually brought her on. It, it was really neat. 
That is really neat. Um, okay. Getting back to the article. <laughs> I really like this quote. I feel like this could have been straight out of the details. 1993 article where mm-hmm. Justine says, this is our life. Hang out, be mellow, cut hair. <laughs> good way to live life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's a brief little story about how Mel and Drew had visited the Grand Canyon. And afterward, Drew went to a psychic and the psychic told her that Mel had seen the Grand Canyon as a bottomless pit. <laughs> this is so random. <laughs> I know. And Drew was like super hurt and angry about this. Um, and Mel was like, but it wasn't true. And she says like, you could have asked me. And Drew apparently sat there sulking, remembering her friend's imaginary betrayal. <laughs> Again, I'm it's like, such a funny story. Oh, but... Mel. <laughs> oh, Mel, but also, oh, Drew. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was like what a psychic told her. I could totally see it, though, especially Me at this too. time. <laughs> just being like, like, what? But I didn't say that. <laughs> I could just see like they're, yeah. you know. She's like, but just... I can imagine that you did feel that way. <laughs> yeah. You're always mean like that, Mel. <laughs> you called me the Grinch. <laughs> One day we're going to have Mel on our podcast. She's going to tell us all about it. <laughs> oh, God, dream. <laughs> that would be amazing. All right. So Trish thinks it can't be easy to be Drew because of her crazy family working her whole life and overcoming substance problems in the public eye. And this is a really cool quote. It says, it's a good bet that she's been building her own raft in the middle of the ocean since the day she was born. Oh, that's so good. That's yeah. like, I feel like we should use that somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. It's a great way to describe her. Well, we talked about her as like, well, in Rebel Homemaker, she's the self-made Oh, that's right. And Pilar is the self-taught. Yeah. So I feel like us kind of having talked about that self-made thing, it's like she wasn't a Nepo baby. I know. There there is a thing early in this article where it's like, is it because she's 19 or is it because she's a Barrymore? And I'm like, are they talking about her personality or her privilege? But anyway, Mm. (laughs) so then the, the next thing is just. Once again, guess who's asleep? Um, Mel gets up and goes to sleep in the car. And she's like, I'm over this shit. (laughs) I said you're the Grinch and I did my part. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) See you later. Um, And then Trish describes how Drew is quieter, anxious, and undefended without her friends around. And it kind of like changes the dynamic a little bit. Mm. Drew tells this much repeated story about fighting with her mom at 13 and she describes this kind of metaphorical, she took the elevator while her childhood took the stairs. And here's she describes how she felt. She says, I felt different. And I mean, really different. It was the craziest feeling I'd ever felt. But I think in that one moment, I realized I'm on my own and I have to take care of myself. It was crazy being that young and experiencing an overwhelming feeling like that. Yeah, there we go with the self-made, right? Yep, Absolutely. I do like that she's brought that up several times. Like sometimes it's hard for me to wrap my head around the metaphor, but I think I get it. Like, it's just, it's a fascinating thing to think about that. She it is really looks to that one moment as like life altering when she sort of became an adult. <laughs> like she realized that she wasn't like, I yeah. have to take care of myself. Like I have to do it. So I'll see you later. Child drew, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Ooh. So, so good. Okay. So she does say that she's happiest when she's working, even though it's been a struggle for her to like come back in the industry, I think is what Mm -hmm. they mean. And she says she knows that nothing in life comes easy. You know, she likes fighting for things. We know that. And she feels that her talent is becoming other people. And I definitely remember her telling, um, I think it was David Letterman, like, I'm not a good actress. Like, I can't act. (laughs) Um, And that's sort of always been her thing is that she's not like an actress. She just likes to get to know these other characters and become them. And she says, being chameleon-esque is the funnest part about the latitude you have in this career. Yep. Which is cool. And at this time, she was currently getting to know Holly for Boys on the Side, as mentioned earlier. So I really, I really think what she was wearing at that time was like fully becoming Holly or (laughs) getting to know her. Yep. And two little cute factoids was that she uh, was carrying a lunchbox instead of a purse to be Holly (laughs) and that Holly doesn't wear a watch. And if Holly did wear a watch, it would be one that her old boyfriend got from a Happy Meal. (laughs) Which like, feels so, really accurate. What a specific character trait. I just think that's so fun. 
I also love that way that she's describing that she gets into the character is like, you know, things about them in your mind that aren't even expressed in the dialogue or anything like. Right. Yeah. We don't have to talk about how Holly doesn't wear a watch. I just know. And that's yep. part of who she is. And I love exactly. Holly. So of course I'm like, oh, I love these details. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. And I love how the article ends. I just love when articles kind of have this like beautiful little wrap up, but yeah, I don't know. So Drew says, talking about acting, she says, you can use your schizophrenia to be creative. And then Trish describes that she then raises her shoulders up to her ears and laughs like a little girl. So she basically like shrugs and laughs. And then she looks Trish straight in the eye like someone with nothing to hide and everything to offer and says, how cool is that? Great work, Trish. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Uh, Beautiful article. Like I said, I love that it kind of is like Drew hanging out with her friends again, very much of this time that she just used to do that. And just her career, like really, I don't know, it's on this trajectory here and she's like leaving her teenage years. I don't know. What a great time to look back on in her life and career. Yep. And I'm glad that you pulled this one because I don't think about it. Once again, it's because it's not a cover story. Like it falls off. Yeah. You know, even though I remember the, I usually remember the pictures and not the words. So right. Once again, us getting an excuse to revisit these things. Uh, I know I was going to do a different one. And then as I was like looking at that one, I kind of flipped back a couple pages and I was like, wait, this one's really good. (laughs) (laughs) This is a fun one. We hope you enjoyed this. You did. You know, you loved it and you love us and you're going to go leave a review on Apple Podcasts (laughs) and then we'll shout you out in a future episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you in advance. Yes. And then go follow us on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. She says, yeah. (laughs) We're at How Do You Drew Pod, which is all things podcast related. And then we also have our account Drewzium, which is all kinds of other wonderful Drew things for you to ingest and enjoy. Elle is very excited about the Drewzium. Yeah, you love our Instagram. (laughs) She's like, it's my inheritance, right? (laughs) Oh, yes. All that money we've made doing it. Yes. Also visit our website at howdoyoudrew.com, which is hosted on our OG website, the Drewzium. Um, we are very proud of what we do up there. So make sure you check out what we're doing on the internet. Send listener mail to howdoyoudrewpod at gmail.com. And our question to take us out today is, hmm, what's your second favorite color? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Obviously my favorite is pink in case you guys are all wondering and didn't know. That's not what I asked. I know, I know, me. I know, but I just had to mention it. That actually, oof. Is it gold oh. or something? Okay, yes, it would be gold. Definitely gold. Thank you. Thanks for knowing me better than myself. <laughs> no, gold is like my jam. I love gold glitter. I'm here for it day and night. Kid, my- you want to hear something really funny? Yes. I was literally no. just going to say. What- <laughs> Next. <Zing. laughs> I was going to literally say, what's your favorite color of glitter? Oh, <laughs> no, truly. Because I looked at my phone and it was sparkling a little bit. And then I was like, okay, I can't. That's dumb. <laughs> Then you answered it anyway. I mean, if you guys could see me right now, gold glitter on my toes, gold (laughs) glitter on my phone case. My wedding dress is gold glitter. It is my jam. (laughs) What's yours? Obviously your favorite is green. So I've been leaning a lot towards blue. So I'm just going to go. Really? What kind of blue? Um, like blue greens. Okay. Blue greens. Yes. Green is still up there, but blue green has been creeping up. So you know, the blues are making their way into my heart. <laughs> You're singing the blues. I'm oh, that was a good blues. one. <laughs> really good one. All right, everyone. And thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Love perching This episode of the How Do You Drew podcast was researched and produced by Ashley and Anne from thedrewzium.com with help from our sponsor, Positive Medium. Special thanks to Matt Costa for our lovely theme song, Roxy Prima for our adorable logo, and last but not least, Drew Barrymore and all the Drewbies who love her, we do this for you. Thank Thank you. you!